Hello, I'm Casey. And I'm Emily. And you're listening to A Sprinkle of Sugar, A Dash of Murder, a true crime podcast with an element of baking. And what's the bake this week? (laughs) So as many of you guys know, I just had a baby two weeks ago. So I'm not really in the baking mood these days. Don't come (laughs) at me. I'll still share a recipe. Um, You know, when you have a baby, a lot of people are super generous. And they bring over yummy desserts. Yeah. Um, So this story this week is about a love triangle gone bad. Yeah. So I love blueberry pie. (laughs) (laughs) And pie is in the shape of a triangle. (laughs) So that's the connection. When it's cut? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, when I cut it. (laughs) So... So anyway, nice. that's that's the theme. <laughs> um, blueberry triangle shaped pie. <laughs> shaped pie. Um, so this was made. The one that we're gonna post was the one that my aunt made, and she makes the second best blueberry pie. I know. Uh oh, second best. <laughs> well, I'm first. <laughs> if I was in the baking mood, I would. I would. I would. Uh, sorry, Aunt Barb. It's amazing. It's so good, but. Casey's famous for her pies. You know, you know, I just, I really like my pies. It's the tapioca. Mm. So anyway, I'll share my pie recipe, which you guys should be honored. Whoa. <laughs> I know, I'm tooting my own Gracing horn. us with your secrets. <laughs> I'm tooting my own horn too much. It's, it's, it's decent. It's good. I've had your pies. Yes. <laughs> I like your pies. Okay, good. <laughs> anyway, um... So yeah, blueberry pies for the love triangle gone sour. Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> <laughs> All right. The couple in this case are newlyweds John Rutten and Sherry Rasmussen. Uh, they lived in Van Ness, which is like a middle class neighborhood outside of Los Angeles. And this happens in 1980s. So in the 1980s, LA was getting pretty violent, um, but that neighborhood that they lived in was like a pretty safe space. It was a really nice neighborhood. People didn't think bad things would happen there. Um, and Sherry was known to be very, very kind and loving. Like everybody loved her and she was brilliant. She graduated high school at 16 years old and by 19, she had already finished nursing school and by 27, she was a nursing director at a medical center. Wow. Yeah. Good for her. It. Mm-hmm. Taking butt. I can't imagine being that smart, but... <laughs> I can. <laughs> Just kidding. You guys have listened to this Same. podcast. You know that that's not true. <laughs> so, John studied, UC, uh, studied at UCLA for engineering and he was also like a very smart guy um had a lot going for him as well um i mean they had a great career great house like perfect you know and john and sherry met each other at a party one night and it was like love at first sight you know yeah they were very happy very much in love and after only a year of dating he proposed and they got married wow yeah, so it was, it was kind of like a whirlwind romance, but, like, they really loved each other. They met at a party in college? I think so, yeah. Okay. And on February 
1986, Sherry called in sick at about 7 a.m., and that day she was supposed to oversee HR courses for new nurses, and she had kind of decided she didn't want to do it, so she called in sick playing hooky, basically. <laughs> um, which was kind of weird, because she, she worked very hard and she did love her job, but like, I guess... I don't know. I mean, we all have those days, I guess. Yeah, there are some aspects of the job that you're just like, uh, not today. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, I'm smart. I don't want to deal with these new newbies who don't know what they're doing. I don't know. Something like that. Um, so John, during the day, tried to call her a few times, and she didn't answer. So he figured, oh, she probably ended up going to work, like felt guilty about staying home. So he calls her work, and she's not there. They say she didn't come in. So he's like, oh, that's probably odd, but okay. She might be out. You know, there's no cell phones yet, so maybe she was out doing something. Um, Because he had called the house and then her work. Um, So on his way home that day, he goes to the bank, stops to buy some shoes and the dry cleaning. So he was like, during the day when it the calls, he was like, something's weird. But I, you know, if you stop for errands, you're not thinking like something's drastically bad, you know? Right. So he gets home and finds Sherry's car is gone and sees shattered glass in the garage. So now he's starting to think, okay, maybe something did happen because this is weird. Mm-hmm. And they live in like a condo building. So like there's other people living there. So he has to go up these stairs to get to their like condo unit. Yeah, right. And there's a bloody handprint on the wall. Oh, that's scary. Yeah. I That would be so like, the dread in your stomach when you, like, see, like, glass shattered and then you see a bloody handprint. Like, right. I would feel so sick. I think that I could talk myself out of, like, something sinister going on until I saw the bloody handprint. Yeah. You know, and then I would really get, I'd really get scared. Yeah. Um, Panicked. Mm-hmm. So John walks into their place and sees Sherry's bloody body on the floor. There's blood, like, everywhere pooled around her. And he checks for a pulse, doesn't find one, and calls 911 immediately. And the police get there, but she there's nothing they can do. She's pronounced dead pretty much as soon as they see her and check her out at 6.12 p.m. Uh, and they notice that a gunshot had broke the window and that there were a lot of belongings, like their stereo and electronics were all stacked by the floor, like someone had planned to take them and then just made a quick exit. And there was a struggle at the door, but there was no sign of forced entry either. Okay. Yeah. So there was clearly evidence that Sherry had put up a fight. There was a broken fingernail at the door. Um, There were like smears on the walls. Like clearly she had tried to like brace herself on the wall and stuff like that. There was, so there were signs of that she had fought, you know. Mm Mm-hmm. Um... They determined that she had been bludgeoned from behind with a plaster statue that had been left there, and she had a gunshot in the chest. Jeez. Yeah. So, um, there was also a blanket with gunshot residue and a hole through it oh, found. like, as a silencer. Exactly. It was, like, wrapped around the gun or something to muffle the sound. Mm-hmm. And then she also had a bite mark on her arm what so that's definitely a struggle unless it oh was, yeah because sometimes like for like sexual reasons you know ooh, mm-hmm. there's bite marks but i feel like this is more of just because 
more of out of like fighting yeah i'm sure um and her arm was swabbed for saliva but they didn't really nothing really came of that especially in the 80s yeah mm -hmm. they couldn't unfortunately dna testing is so new like it's relatively new i had i had no idea that it was so new yeah it's crazy how many cases can be solved now like Mm -hmm. even from the past yeah uh So one investigator said he thought John's reaction was a little bit strange. They, the investigator said that John was worried throughout the day, but decided not to go home. And after her not answering the phones and then went on errands. So he's like, why would you go on errands if you think if you're worried? So he was definitely, and of course he's looked into as the husband. But okay. So, you know, this is kind of how I see it. Sometimes with me i don't know it's like in the back of your mind you feel like something's off but at the same time you're kind of like i don't want to be neurotic about this or i don't want to be too worried about this so then you kind of brush it off Mm -hmm. and then and then when you end up being right about whatever it was that was wrong with you then you want to say oh i knew it but then people are like well if you knew it then why didn't you act on it earlier right but it's like well I knew it. I had I had a thought of it, but I am also it's different. An anxious person, so right, yeah. So I kind of ta- just thought it was my anxiety talking, you know. Mm-hmm. So I could I can kind of see how he would just kind of want to. I mean, if he didn't do it, <laughs> yeah. Um, I can see his argument, like yeah, that he didn't want to be too worried. Exactly, because like I feel like. I mean, I've never been in a situation but like this, but, you yeah. know, when I was, like, younger and you'd hear, like, thumps or something, and I would be sitting in my bedroom, like, petrified, but I'm like, I'm not going to get up and tell my parents because they're going to think I'm crazy, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, it's that kind of mentality. Like, you don't want to... Right, you don't want to raise the alarms, so you don't want to leave work. I mean, I guess he could have not done the errands. Yeah. But then... That's kind of where what I was saying comes in is like, you don't want to, yeah, like, and what you're saying, you don't want to raise those alarms. Yeah. But, uh, he did have an alibi. He was very clearly at these places. He was at work all day. He, the police couldn't find any motivation for why he would kill his wife. Um, so they kind of drop him pretty quickly. And police start to ask around with neighbors, like, did you see anything suspicious in the past couple days? What is their relationship like? You know, because neighbors can be nosy and they pick up on these things. Um, And one neighbor said that two gardeners came by the day she was murdered and dropped off a purse that they had found in her yard outside. So the purse was in the neighbor's yard, like dumped there, and it was Sherry's. It had her driver's license and her wallet in it. So, strange. Her, yeah. And her car was gone. So, police are like, well, um, this must have been a robbery. So, they're looking into the, at that angle now. I see. And the electronics were all stacked by the door, and their marriage license was missing. And again, the BMW that was Sherry's was gone. So, Police are pretty confident this was a burglary gone bad, and they tried to, after they shot Sherry, they just ditched the electronics by the door that they were going to take. The marriage license missing is weird, though. Yeah, that is an odd detail. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like, 
yeah i i wouldn't even notice i mean <laughs> like yeah. i do have my marriage license somewhere safe but when i'm when i'm going through my things and i'm accounting for things that are missing i'm looking for valuables yeah that someone would want to steal i'm not looking for my marriage not license. that yeah um strange uh so her car was found a week later in perfect condition and the keys were still inside it and it was just a few blocks away from the house when they found it they are thinking there's no they had the keys there's the car is not like broken like someone tried to break into it it's perfect there were no fingerprints no dna they couldn't get anything off of the car so they're wondering well if this was a robbery how come the car was just ditched and it's so clean you know so it's weird yeah that would be the most failed robbery ever you didn't walk away with anything exactly (laughs) yeah you did everything like you had all the stuff stacked up by the door that's so bizarre didn't didn't steal anything really yeah the marriage license which is still missing but yeah so a few months go by and there was another burglary that happened that was very similar to sherry's murder so a woman named lisa rivoli was sleeping at her house and she hears a knock on the door and she goes um and she has like one of those like you know there's like glass panes you can see out of so she Mm. didn't recognize the man so she decided to ignore it and go back to bed what i know (laughs) personally i'd be a little freaked out and maybe you know know, not just be like "Hmm, there's someone i don't know there good night like there is yeah no i mean i understand just trying to like ignore the issues in front of you like what i was explaining but that's a little (laughs) yeah a little too much there's no way i'd be able to sleep after that like no okay but all right lisa um (laughs) so later she like i guess this was the morning because later she like wakes up and she goes out to lunch and she comes back to see her front door open and there is a man inside her house stealing stereo equipment just like at sherry's house yeah and another man comes downstairs and lisa fully panics and she runs away and um she did get away so she's okay but um police came and saw all of the equipment was left by the door just like at sherry's house and they're assuming now that they're probably connected that this was a robbery again gone bad and there are some differences they got away in their own car they didn't steal her car uh-huh. so but because of like especially the stereo equipment being by the door just like yeah. it was they're thinking okay this is two guys going around robbing places and if they get caught they're gonna kill people yeah unsuccessfully Mm -hmm. it's just like these are two guys that are going and collecting up stereo equipment and putting it by the door yeah it's it's like the home alone guys (laughs) not very bright yeah yeah um but so now they have like a description of two two men who are going around robbing people in the area but they are not able to find these people and after a year of no leads sherry's dad writes a letter to the chief of police saying they should start investigating john's ex-girlfriend because he remembered something weird about her and said you well, you should probably look into her but lapd gives him no response to it they're like this is a burglary whatever so 15 years go by Oh my god. Yeah, a long time. 
And in 2001, the LA cold case unit is opened. They still, they start a cold case unit there. And there are 6,000 unsolved homicides in the cold case unit there. Wow. 6,000 in LA alone. That's Imagine crazy. having that job looking at a cold cases. I don't know if I would like it or if it would just frustrate me to no end. That's exactly what I was thinking. Like, if there's still nothing, even after investi- oh, reopening it, mm-hmm. that would be infuriating. But there's got to be something so satisfying about solving cold cases. Yeah, I'm sure. That's... I yeah I'm I'm now thinking about it like I think that I I think in the end I would like it because also there's there's kind of a satisfaction to or not necessarily a satisfaction but like you can kind of give yourself the benefit of the doubt like well you know okay fine I wasn't able to solve this one but they weren't able to solve it when it was fresh either true so So not all of the blame can be put on you you know and it's not like there's imminent danger like it's a serial killer and Mm -hmm. it's still happening and all this you know yeah i don't know maybe maybe i would like that as a cop yeah it'd be interesting i don't know i don't know what the percentage rate of cold cases that are reopened is that get solved that get solved yeah yeah. i'd have to look into that yeah it would be really frustrating and then it's like how do you even pick which one you want exactly and that's like the weird thing like of the six thousand cases mm-hmm. sherry's case gets picked wow. so i mean i i don't know what the thought process is if the detectives get to go in there and just look through them and see what has potential to maybe be solved or like or if it's just random you know right but yeah but 15 years after her murder this her case is reopened by detective clifford shepherd so he's leading it now and detective <laughs> okay wait clifford shepherd so clifford like the big red dog yes and then shepherd exactly like shepherd <laughs> yeah he's gonna have big dog energy <laughs> whatever that means <laughs> whatever that means <laughs> well he's a lead detective so i guess so. he's got that big dog energy <laughs> i'm gonna make that a thing. he has a canine unit and one of them's called clifford oh <laughs> it's a german shepherd named clifford <gasps> I could never, ever name a child of mine Clifford because of that. Oh, like, yeah. that's all I think of. That's my only association with that name other than just now. Honestly. This guy. <laughs> right. I've never heard anyone else or anything else ever called Clifford. He, he probably goes by Cliff. I've heard Cliff. Yeah. <laughs> I guess I never thought of that as short for Clifford. I thought that was just a separate name. I could, it could be. Uh, probably both. Yeah. <laughs> anyway <laughs> yeah anyway clifford shepherd let's go yes so detective shepherd <laughs> looked into the swab from the bite mark um that was still in evidence and they didn't have the technology for it then but he said we do now Woo-hoo! so let's reject this and they were surprised to find out the bite mark and the saliva is from a female okay mm-hmm. all right now we're on to something but they still are kind of going for the, it was a burglary sort of lead. Mm-hmm. So they start looking into a male-female team of burglars who were arrested at the time of the murder for robberies. Um, but it it doesn't check out. The guy okay. was in prison at the time already on the day of her murder. And the, the woman wasn't, but she had, like, I'm not sure. It was, like, something else going on. It just didn't line up that it could have been them. Mm-hmm. So... 
At this point, they're thinking, well, perhaps Sherry's murder was a staged burglary. And because the things that were taken from their home were sentimental, not expensive. Exactly. Yeah. And then also, she was shot like point blank, like close proximity, which says to detectives, it's personal. You want to be there face to face. You're not just shooting from across the room like you see someone and panic. And they believe it's a planned murder now. Also, in these condos, they usually have peepholes. So she might mm-hmm. have checked to see who it was and recognized the person and opened the door. Because right. there was no sign of forced entry. Yep. So maybe she knew the person. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I should be an investigator. <laughs> Every episode, we're like, we should be. And then we're like, no. <laughs> I need to be smarter. <laughs> Same. Um... So they start asking John about his previous relationships, mm-hmm. and he brings up Stephanie Lazarus, the girlfriend whose Sherry's father wrote to them about 15 years earlier that they said no. Um, no. Didn't look into it at all. That's annoying. Yeah, it would be. For sure. So John and Stephanie met in college. They were on the same dorm floor, and they quote-unquote dated on and off they played basketball together um so they they were friends john Mm. tells the police they were never exclusive but he and stephanie were always just really good friends with benefits you know i see that kind of thing but stephanie had told her roommate at the time that she was very distraught about john not wanting to officially date her she didn't like that they were just friends so Stephanie was definitely not happy about Sherry and John's relationship. And when she found out they were engaged, she really didn't like it. So John then tells the police, oh, Stephanie is now an LAPD detective. Oh. That's her job. So they realize, and they're in different departments, but they realize Stephanie is like, down the hall from them at the police station. Oh my gosh, like as they speak. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And Stephanie had a stellar career. She was considered an outstanding detective. She was detective of the year twice. Um, she had one of the most coveted jobs on the force as well. She was previously a homicide detective herself. She was also an auto theft detective. And in 2009... She was made the head of an elite high-end um, art and jewel theft division. Oh. For, like, the extremely wealthy. And, like, it's L.A., so she looked into things for actors and actresses who had, like, stolen expensive, yeah. famous art and jewelry and for museums and stuff like that. Like, it was a very fancy kind of detective job. Mm-hmm. Um, and in 30 years on the force, she had never once had a single disciplinary hearing. She did everything by the book. She was married to a fellow police officer hmm. and they have an adopted child. And the detectives on Sherry's case just could not comprehend how Stephanie now has become a suspect based off of like her life and her track record there. But see, so the thing is, I, I'm surprised that it didn't just stop there then. Yeah. Usually, they'd look into the, all that, 
know that she's another a fellow police officer and i know that that's messed up but just knowing how the system works yeah police officers look out for each other mm-hmm. a lot. they could have been like no yeah so they could have just yeah just completely didn't even want to open that can of worms because that really would could cause issues for the police officer that's now pointing fingers or investigating this this other yeah um detective exactly Um, so that is a twist that makes things very complicated for them. Yeah. Um, because they need to be, if they're going to go after a fellow detective who works down the hall from them in the same building, they have to go about this very carefully. Mm -hmm. Um, but they do, they do look into her. They don't just drop it and say there's no way. Good for them. So even though they're baffled by this mm-hmm. i mean as you would be this is your co-worker who's like has great renown you know um so they look into the past of what happened in the 80s so in the mid 80s a 38 caliber was the gun issued to the lapd at the time that was like the gun they would carry mm-hmm. on on duty and investigators look through the reports and see that Sherry was shot with a 38 caliber gun. Okay. And Stephanie had reported her gun missing 13 days after Sherry's murder. And on her report of that, she wrote that someone had broken into her police car and stolen the gun. But the detectives are now kind of connecting dots and they're thinking it's in that gun is like in the bottom of the ocean somewhere or something. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, you know, okay, now that I think about it, sorry, I don't want to spoil anything, but this is just my thought process at the moment. Mm-hmm. So now I'm thinking that um, Sherry had opened the door for Stephanie. Right? Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Had opened the door for Stephanie because she's dressed like a police officer. Mm-hmm. And it's very, and you're not going to just ignore a police officer at your door when you're a law abiding citizen. Yeah. So it's. You're not going to have any issues. Right. Oh, and then mm-hmm. that's, uh, that makes sense why the car was so clean and wiped out. But the issue on, on Stephanie's part, if that's the whole story, which you don't have to confirm it at the moment, <laughs> but the issue on that part would be why would she not make it look more like a theft? Yeah. Okay. Go on. Continue. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so... Police ask Sherry's father, Nell, that's his name, why he suspected Stephanie all those years ago. So they go back to Mm -hmm. him and they're like, you told us to look into her. Why? What do you know? And Nell tells the police, Stephanie had shown, shown, showed up, showed up. Shown? (laughs) Had shown up. Had showed up. Had shown up. (laughs) <laughs> i don't know what sounds worse or better I, at this point had shown up i think it's shown whatever she was at sherry's house <laughs> she appeared she unannounced uh she had come by three times once Ooh. she came uh to ask john she had some skis and she's like hey john can old buddy can you wax these skis for me and sherry immediately is like yeah I'm not stupid. You're here to see John, not like for these right. dumb skis. Women are not dumb. <laughs> yeah. But it's just the silliest excuse. Yeah. And 
But John's like a nice guy, so he agreed to do it. He's like, well, okay, I'll wax these skis for Ken you. Ken could totally fall for that, too. <laughs> I'd, I'd be sharing that situation that would be like, what the heck? Sherry's watching him like, you idiot. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um, but once she left after that, um, with took her skis and left, <laughs> Sherry was like, I'm very uncomfortable with this. She clearly likes you because she knows their history that they were like, yeah friends with benefits friends with benefits she's like i don't want her to come back and john says okay yeah that's totally understandable you know Mm -hmm. but stephanie comes back a week later to the house dressed in full uniform with like with her police uniform with her gun and she basically just walks around and she's talking like oh you've got a nice life here blah 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 but you know she was just there clearly in uniform just to look like imposing and threatening to Sherry, oh my gosh you know? yeah and then the third time sherry sees her stephanie showed up at her work at the hospital and said if i can't have john no one can whoa yeah and sherry had told her dad all of this so i mean if they had listened to him 15 years earlier they would have known yeah stephanie was a weirdo you know if I can't have him, no one can. That is messed up. Yeah. So, and of course, I guess Sherry wouldn't... Uh, Stephanie's coming to her house dressed as in her uniform. She's a police officer. Sherry's probably thinking, I can't, like, press charges. She's a police officer or something like that, you yeah. know? And she's really... I don't know what you would press charges with. She's harassing you, but, like, I don't know. Right. Yeah, yeah she's just... She's intimidating her. Mm-hmm. So... Like we said, uh, like I said, Stephanie was working down the hall from Sherry's, the the detectives on Sherry's case this entire Mm -hmm. time. So they were being very, very secretive and selective to the people who knew this information in the building because they they weren't sure who was Sherry's friend or who was Stephanie's friends and who wasn't in the building. That's true. So this is like insane. So they had to be within their own little office office you know there was only like a handful of people who even knew this investigation was going on in all of the paperwork they referred to stephanie as number five just in case she or anybody else came across the paperwork in the office and saw it and they wanted to avoid her possibly seeing her name or anyone else seeing her name or anything about her on anything so i mean a case i'm sure a regular case would have to be handled with discretion but on top of that, to have to be that, like, keeping secrets from your other coworkers because you yeah. don't know who might tip her off. Like, hey, those guys are looking into you. Like, that right. is an extra pressure on you as a detective. And I feel like it's common to bounce ideas off your coworkers. So then the fact that all of a sudden they're quiet about it. Yeah. Probably is not, um, it's probably suspicion suspicious in itself yeah like they can't go to anybody for help like it's just them focusing on this because it's someone on the inside yeah a a lot of of hushed conversations yeah so one day at lunch they're they're thinking okay we have this swab of dna may we need to try and get stephanie's dna but we can't ask her or she'll know and she could like do something you Mm -hmm. know mess it up she's she knows what she's doing she's a trained police officer so 
one day they were watching her as she's eating lunch in like their break room or whatever and she throws out a cup that she was drinking from and when she leaves um one of the investigators secretly fished it out of the garbage oh my gosh it. yeah is that allowed are you allowed to take dna uh, off someone's i don't know garbage I don't know. I've seen that in, like, movies I or, like, an episode of Bones where, yeah. you know, they put the cup in front of them and then they drink out of it and they're like, ha, I got your DNA, gotcha. fool. But, oh, I don't know. Yeah. I didn't think that that was, like, illegal. But then at the same time, how much is really illegal when you're investigating a murder? Right. You gotta, you gotta do what you gotta do. It's an investigation. Yeah. Okay. Go on. So, they take a swab of the drink and it is a perfect match to the bite mark <gasps> on Sherry's arm. And now they're like, okay, this is, it's Sherry. I mean, they're both S names. I know. It's Stephanie. <laughs> it's Stephanie. <laughs> um, so they launch an operation they call the Art Thief to catch her off guard. Because mm-hmm. they do, they at still at this point do not want to approach her with questions like, how do you know John? Blah, blah, blah. Because mm-hmm. they know she'll take off, be defensive. They need to catch her by surprise. Mm-hmm. So they approach, they go to her desk, and they say, hey, there's a, there's a suspect in jail about an art thievery, and we'd really like your expertise if you would go downstairs and talk to him. He's in the interrogation room. She's like, oh, sure, of course, I'll agree to help. So they go downstairs to the basement where all the interrogations happen. Um, and when you go down there... For interrogations, the police officers were not allowed to have any, like, weapons on them. So when you get down there, there's a guard there or whoever to sign you in that you were there, and he takes all your weapons and your guns. So she's unarmed. Good. Yeah, that was the big thing. They wanted to make sure she was unarmed, so she didn't do anything rash. Mm -hmm. And so they put her in the interrogation room, shut the door, and put her in there, and she still thinks she's interrogating somebody yeah and then all of a sudden they They shine a light on her face (laughs) yeah like what do you know (laughs) (laughs) what do you mean (laughs) and they start asking her questions about john instead of art and she very quickly realizes what's going on Mm -hmm. and she's shocked she starts protesting immediately like why are you asking me questions about john this is about art and like why why would you think of this about me? Blah, blah, blah. Things like that, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, which, oh, what a gotcha moment. I love I know. it. <laughs> the complete shock. Yeah. I she just... has, and she had no idea this whole time she was even being investigated. She wow. did. She had no idea this case was even reopened. Good on them for pulling that off. Yeah. So while she's being interrogated, another team of uh, investigators were at her house so this is happening simultaneously because they had a warrant, warrant. Yeah. and they were doing searches at the house. They find photos of John, like a stalker, mm-hmm. a lot. Yeah. <gasps> and they found a diary. Never keep a diary, guys. Well, I mean, okay, <laughs> Unless... do because I want you to get caught. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Um, with entries in it saying that she did visit John multiple times and that Sherry was there and that she totally knew who Sherry was. And during her interview, at the same time as they're finding this, Sherry claims <gasps> she barely, or Stephanie claims she barely remembers Sherry. 
oh, doesn't know oh her my really. Gosh. Yeah. Oh, well, your diary says different. Mm-hmm. I don't know what that accent was. <laughs> <laughs> it just sounded more suspicious. <laughs> yeah. Continue. So the diary says she was an emotional wreck after finding about Sherry. But during her interview, Stephanie is still saying, I don't know anything. I, I mean, like, maybe I saw her one time, blah, 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 <laughs> you know. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> and um, this is when police decide to land the bombshell on her, that they already have her DNA. They're like, we already sampled it. Guess what? It's a match. And <laughs> she says, I'm leaving. So <laughs> I'm out. <laughs> She's like, I'm going to leave. <laughs> and the moment she steps out of the interrogation room, she's arrested for Sherry's murder. Yep. So right then and there, before she has a chance to do anything or lawyer up, they arrest her. And police call her brother, Stephanie's brother, Stephen, mm-hmm. and say, uh, Stephanie was just arrested for murder. Mm-hmm. And her brother says, oh, cool, Stephanie just arrested someone for murder. Good for her. And they're like, <laughs> no, she was arrested for murder. Why would the police station call her brother and be like, hey, guess what? Your sister just arrested someone for murder. Right? Yeah, nice, know. cool. Thanks. I guess you have to notify next of kin and or something like that. I don't know. No, I, I get the being arrested, but oh, not but the arresting, way arresting someone. Like, yeah. why was Stephen thinking that? That's right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, Stephen. Please, yeah. Stephen. They're like, um, not quite. <laughs> this is awkward. And he was shocked, obviously, as one would be. Mm-hmm. Um, in 2012 is when she finally goes on trial, and she pleads not guilty. This whole time, she's like, I didn't do it. I didn't do it. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> um, so the prosecution goes at it saying it was a fit of jealousy, but not passion. It was calculated, and she used her police training to make it look like a robbery and to cover her tracks, and that's why everything was so neat. Mm-hmm. Um, and in just two hours, a jury decides she is guilty, and she's sentenced to 27 years to life. And which she is currently serving. I mean, once you have the DNA from a bite, exactly. Like how, and I wonder how the defense tried to explain that. Yeah, I'm like, not sure, but there's no way. I, I, yeah, <laughs> I, I'm I mean, it was like a done deal. What can the defense really? Yeah, when try when she has an, a bite on her arm, like I fell and my teeth sunk into her arm. All right. Like, <laughs> oops. <laughs> I wonder. So. When you're ta- when during an investigation or like when someone's about to go on trial, are you allowed to like demand a certain like like can I get a warrant for your teeth? Not uh, what is it called? The molding of your teeth <laughs> or what is it? Yeah. Mhm. And do they have to give it? Yeah. So like I mean they could also kind of match that too where they get a cast cast. Yes. That's that's word. <laughs> a cast for teeth and like match it to the pictures of the bite mark right yeah i wonder if they did that but i mean i feel like the saliva is kind of a yeah that was the nail in the coffin yeah and one detective said even though it took 20 years to solve this the silver lining is that if she had if stephanie had been arrested in 1986 she probably would have been acquitted because they did not have the technology to link 
the DNA evidence, which was really the damning part of her conviction, um, she probably would have been acquitted of this murder if they had right. arrested her back then. And I mean, yeah, because they didn't have even enough to get a warrant before mm-hmm. they got the DNA. Yeah. I'm, I, I'm really impressed with these cops for actually continuing to follow up. Like, yeah. Especially with the record she had. Because, I mean, they could look at her and be like, oh, yeah, she, she's a crazy one. I could totally see her doing that. And mm-hmm. then they could, like... But the fact that she has zero record of doing anything bad, she always does everything by the book. Mm-hmm. But also, it's just... Do they ever find the marriage license? Um... She she had it, but or she destroyed it or something. I'm not yeah, clear. Yeah, I mean, she definitely took she it. She definitely took it, yeah. But... Oh, man. Yeah. she. I mean, she looks totally... Or she looked totally normal to everybody until she went to trial. And then I'll post pictures of it on the Instagram. But she, like, is, like, bug-eyed and crazy looking at the trial. But <laughs> So I guess after she was had, she was, like... Yeah, I'm crazy. <laughs> like, okay, time yeah. to let her out. <laughs> yeah, but that's just like so crazy. I've never heard a case like that before. Where they they have to investigate one of their own. Like that's crazy. That's only out of a TV show. Yeah, I mean seriously. Wow, I I really liked that one. That was a really interesting one. Yeah, poor Sherry, and yeah. I feel bad that her father. I hope that he was still living when they finally. Yeah. Okay. Good. Because then he was able to, like, kind of get that piece. But, I mean, I'm sure it was frustrating. And mm-hmm. that's probably why they had to release that statement about, like, if this had, ha- if we had actually caught her, you know, so many years ago, oh, yeah. mm-hmm. um, you know, just because of the technology. I bet that made him feel better. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so I I'm feel sh- like maybe they felt like they needed to say that. Yeah. I'm sure it's got to be frustrating. And he would be like, I told you about her 15 years ago. But like, but still, it's true. Like, yeah, you didn't have that piece of evidence that was the most important part. So and another big issue of that would be that um, like no matter what, they wouldn't it wouldn't bring her back. Like, yeah, it doesn't I guess it doesn't matter how many years later. Other than um, Stephanie being able to walk the streets. Yeah. A free woman. But also, think about it this way, too. I know Stephanie was a messed up person. She killed someone. She murdered. And she deserves to go to prison. Yeah. But in that time, that 15, 20 years, she probably solved a lot of cases. And probably put away a lot of really bad people. Mm-hmm. So it's weird concept to think about where it's like almost a good thing because yeah, I didn't with really think her of help, that. yeah, with her help, she was able to put away a lot of bad people too. Mm-hmm. And that's so crazy. Yeah, I, don't I know. I mean, how can you? I just don't get how a murderer could be a police officer and no. like feel that need to serve justice and to get rid of bad people, and then you yourself, yeah. like, do you not feel like? I mean, obviously, she didn't feel she felt she did the wrong thing, but like, it's your job to do that, and you don't see how you're wrong. Like, that's it's so it's talk about karma. What is it called? Um, compartmentalizing. Oh yeah, in your brain. Yeah, right. Separating yourself from other things. And then, did she continue to go after John, or was she just like, mm, yeah, you know, the competition's gone. I'm no, because she was married with her own kids. What a psycho! Yeah. 
Like she, she was like, okay, I don't have him. I'm married, but I still don't want anyone else to have him. That was literally it. That's like, like a control freak thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's crazy. like crazy. Yeah. Wow. What the heck? What the hickety heck? <laughs> All right. Anyway, that's my mom coming out. <laughs> yeah. Um. Anyway. So yeah, that was really interesting. Um. On that note. I'm Casey. And I'm Emily. And you just listened to A Sprinkle of Sugar, A Dash of Murder.